I got up this morning, this passage of Scripture was on my heart, and I pray God will speak to somebody. I'd like to see somebody get saved this morning. Joel chapter 3 and verse number 17. So shall you know that I am the Lord your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. Then shall Jerusalem be holy, and there shall no strangers pass through her any more. And it shall come to pass in that day that the mountains shall drop down with new wine, and the hills shall flow with milk, and all the rivers of Judah shall flow with waters. And a fountain shall come forth of the house of the Lord, and shall water the valley of Shittim. Egypt shall be a desolation, and Edom shall be a desolate wilderness, for the violence against the children of Judah, because they have shed innocent blood in their land. But Judah shall dwell forever." And Jerusalem from generation to generation. For I will cleanse their blood that I have not cleansed. Notice this. For the Lord dwelleth in Zion. Heavenly Father, God, I ask you this morning for a fresh touch. I realize today that we cannot do anything in the energy of our flesh. And Lord, I need you this morning. I pray that you'll speak to hearts. I pray the Holy Spirit would, would work on every soul that's in this building this morning. Both saved and lost. Give us liberty and vocabulary. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want you to keep your Bible open this morning and stay with me in this passage of Scripture. I'll probably take six or seven minutes and just lay a little groundwork and then briefly give you the message this morning. But you'll want to look with me through the book of Joel this morning as we consider the subject in verse number 17. Notice the Bible says, So shall you know, watch this, that I am the Lord your God dwelling in Zion. If you look at the last phrase in verse number 21, for the Lord dwelleth in Zion. I want to preach a few minutes this morning on this subject on Zion's holy hill. Amen? Zion's holy hill. When we think about the book of Joel this morning, the prophet Joel most believed that he was during the ninth century and that he prophesied during the days of Elijah. But the truth is that we're not certain about that. The name Joel means that Jehovah is God. And we know and we believe that Jehovah is is God. Amen. And this book opens in chapter number one. What I want you to notice is that he talks about the day of the locusts. Amen. And he mentions four locusts in verse number four. He talks about the palm, the palmer worm. He talks about the, the locusts. And then he talks about the canker worm and the caterpillar. And each one of them represents something. Uh, the palmer worm represents uh, uh, that cutting locust. Uh, and then the locust represents the common locust. And then uh, we have the, uh, we have the canker worm. It represents uh, uh, the crawling or the hopping locust. Uh, and then we have the caterpillar that represents uh, the consuming locust. And what the message is uh, is that when God's judgment falls and it fell in Joel's day through the Assyrians uh, upon the people of God and it's going to fall in the future day. But when God's judgment falls, uh, it consumes everything. I'm telling you just as God consumed the land in that day, God's going to consume everything in that future day because in chapter 1 he talks about the current issue that is at hand then in chapter 2 and chapter 3 he talks about uh, uh, my friend the, the coming issue that's going to be at hand talking about the great day of the tribulation and the day of the Lord that is soon to come and when Joel talks about this uh, he talks about the day of the locusts uh, and what he says here in this first chapter is he's talking about the sins of the nation of Israel the 
sins of the people of God. And the message is very clear. There's a declaration in verses 1 through 12. There's a proclamation in verse 13 and 14. And that proclamation to the people of God is to dress in sackcloth, which is repentance. And then to declare a fast, which is sincerity and sacrifice. And then to gather back in the temple and to pray. And so there's a proclamation. And there is a great devastation. And then the the chapter ends with supplication. Look at verse number 19. He said, O Lord, to thee will I cry, for the fire hath devoured the pastures of the wilderness, and the flame hath burned all the trees of the field. The beasts of the field cry also unto thee, for the rivers of the waters are dried up, and the fire devoureth the pasture of the wilderness. Joel, what are you saying? He's saying the day of the locust has come, and it's devoured the land. And our country and our nation is in real trouble because of the sins of the people. It all is a wasteland. Does that not sound like modern day America today? I'm telling you, friend, the sins of America, the chickens have come home to roost in this country. And the message is not to a blind world that denies God, but the message is to us, the people of God. We ought to see the devastation in our country. It ought to drive us to our knees. And the proclamation is this, that we ought to cry unto God and pray for ourselves and pray for our children and pray for our nation. Amen. He talks about the day of the locust. But when you get to chapter 2, he talks about the day of the Lord. That phrase is mentioned in chapter 1 in verse 15. As he said, alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand. But look at chapter 2 in verse 1. He said, blow ye the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Why? Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. Why? For the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand. Isn't that amazing that in chapter 1 and verse 15, he said the day of the Lord is at hand. And then he said in the chapter 2 and verse 1 that it is nigh at hand. You know why that is? Because Joel is talking about both history and he's talking about prophecy. He's saying what's happening today is going to happen tomorrow. That God is bringing judgment today, but judgment is soon coming. And when Joel thinks about the day of the Lord, he thinks about the day of the Assyrians in chapter 1 and 2. And he tells us that it's a day of destruction. Look at verse number 15. He said in verse number 16 of chapter 1, he said, Is not the meat cut off before our eyes? Yea, joy and gladness from the house of our God. The seed is rotten under their clods, and the garners are laid desolate, and the barns are broken down, for corn is withered. How do the beasts groan? The herds of the cattle are perplexed because they have no pasture. Yea, the flocks of sheep are made desolate. You say, Brother Gravely, what's that got to do with us today? I'll tell you what it's got to do. As Joel looked around, he saw where the Assyrians had laid the land to waste. The enemy had come in and taken over. You know that very same thing could happen to America this morning and it is happening before our eyes. The very enemy could come in and bring this mighty nation down because the Bible said the wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. Amen.
And he talks about a day of destruction. He talks about a day of darkness. Look at chapter 2 and verse 2. A day of darkness and of gloominess. A day of clouds and of thick darkness. As the morning spread upon the mountains, a great people and a strong, there hath not been ever the like, neither shall be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. And when he sees the days of the Assyrians, he sees it as a day of destruction. He sees it as a day of darkness. But in chapter 2 and in verse number 11 down to verse number 27 he also sees it as a day of deliverance. Amen. For God will not forget his people. Amen. And just like God did not forget the Jew then and God will not forget the Jew in the tribulation period. Guess why? He's not going to forget the bride. Amen. There's a day of deliverance coming for all of us. And the day of the Lord is going to bring deliverance to the Jews. But thank God it's going to be bring deliverance to us all. Hallelujah. And he talks about this day. Hold on, we're headed somewhere this morning. The day of the Lord. He sees it as the day of the Assyrians. In verse number 11 of chapter 2, he talks about this deliverance. And from verse 11 down to verse number 17, he's talking about that Jewish remnant and he reveals their repentance. As the Lord shall utter his voice before his army, for his captive is very great, for he is strong and executeth his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. And who can abide it? Look at verse 15. Here it is again. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sanctify fast. Uh, call the solemn assembly. I mean, he's saying, blow the trumpet. Sound the alarm. Uh, uh, Jesus is coming. Uh, deliverance is on the way. And he talks about their repentance. Uh, and then in verse number 18, he talks about their rescue. Uh, he said, then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. Yea, the Lord will answer and say unto his people, behold, I will send you corn and wine and oil and you shall be satisfied therewith. I will no more make you a reproach among the heathen. Amen. And then in verse 23, look at this. He said, Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause you to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. I'm talking about in the day of the Lord. He said there's going to be repentance. Israel's going to turn to God. God. And that repentance, you know what it's going to bring? It's going to bring a rescue. God is going to pity his people and he's going to come and he's going to set them free from their captivity. I'm telling you, God is in the delivering business. Amen. He talked about the former rain and the latter rain. And those Palestine times, it would rain in the springtime and it would rain in the fall time. But I'll tell you, that rain was cut off until the 12th century. There was no latter rain in the fall. But you know what happened in the 12th century, it started raining lightly and it's been increasing in the fall in those Palestinian times ever since. You say what does that mean? That's the prophecy of God coming to light before our very eyes and the closer we get to the end the more it's going to rain. Amen. I'm telling you God is going to come and he's going to rescue the Jew but he's going to rapture the church. We're going out. Hallelujah. 
He talks about Israel's repentance. In chapter 2, he talks about their rescue. And then when you get to verse 25, he talks about their restoration. As he says, and I will restore to you the years of the locust that hath eaten the canker worm and the caterpillar and the planter palmer worm of my great army which I set among, sent among you. And verse 27, and you shall know that I am the Lord in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else and my people shall never be ashamed. Amen. I'm telling you God's not through with the Jew. Amen. And God's going to rescue them but he's going to do more than that. Ezekiel said in those final chapters of that great book that God was going to restore the land. God's going to rebuild the temple. He's going to retitle their name. Thank God. He's going to bring that great nation up and it's going to be the capital of the entire world and Jesus Christ is going to sit on the throne of David and rule for 1,000 glorious years. I'm talking about on Zion's holy hill. There's going to be restoration. Hallelujah. It's going to be a day of destruction. It's going to be a day of deliverance. You get to chapter 2 and verse 28, it's a day of discovery. Amen. The Bible says it shall come to pass afterwards that I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. God's going to use them, 144,000 Jews, uh, preaching the gospel, amen. And I'll show wonders in the heavens and in the earth uh, and the blood and fire and pillar of smoke and the sun shall be turned into darkness uh, and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord. I'm talking about Matthew 24, Zechariah chapter 14, Revelation chapter 19. It's all coming to pass, friend. There's coming a day when the Jew is going to discover the one that they crucified, the Lord of glory. He was the Messiah and he is the Messiah, but he's coming as the king. Hallelujah. It's a day of the Assyrians, the day of the Lord. We get a chapter three. It's the day of the Antichrist. Because when you get a chapter three in verse number one, there's a gathering of the Hebrew people. He said, for behold, in those days and in that time when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem, God's going to bring them Jews back together. Can I get an amen right there? the gathering of the Hebrew people. In verse number 2, down to verse number 15, there's a gathering of these heathen people. Look what he said. And I will also, in verse 2, gather all nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat. That valley of Jehoshaphat, my friend, is that valley that's located between Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives. It's that place where Jehoshaphat went down in and he fought the Confederates, a confederate of nations there, talking about Ammon and Edom and Moab and he defeated those confederate of nations so the valley of Jehoshaphat is a symbol for the Jews of victory, amen it's a place of victory and in that place of victory look what God said in verse number 9 of chapter 3 he said proclaim ye among the Gentiles, prepare war make up the mighty men, let all the men of war draw near let them come nigh, I'm talking about that Zechariah 14 that's Revelation 19 
in verse number 10 we got Micah in chapter 4 and verse 3 where the Bible said beat your plowshares in the swords and your pruning hooks in the spears let the weak say I am strong assemble yourselves and come all ye heathen and gather yourselves together round about thither cause the mighty ones to come down O Lord let the heathen be wakened and come to the valley of Jehoshaphat for there will I sit to judge all the heathen round about put ye the sickle for the harvest is ripe hey that's Revelation 14 and verse 19 come get you down for the press is full the fats overflown for their wickedness is great now watch verse 14 multitudes multitudes in the valley of decision for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision you know what's happening in this verse here God listen every king and every captain and every chief and mighty man and every nation and army of this world they're nothing but puppets on strings friend the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord and he turn it whither he would he's going to draw them all into the valley of Jehoshaphat listen Israel's going to be in that rose red city of Petra I'll tell you why they're hiding in the cliffs and in the caves you know what God's going to do look at verse number 16 here's what he's going to do the Bible said the Lord shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem and the heavens and the earth shall shake but the Lord will be the hope of his people there's the hope of Israel and the strength of the children of Israel I'll tell you what's going to happen he's bringing them all down into that valley I'm talking about 400 miles wide in length and width he's bringing them down in that valley it's a perfect battleground and God is going to roar out of sight the king is coming thank God and you know who's coming with him it's going to be you and it's going to be me we're right there in that verse we're following him on there's the Hebrew people there's the heathen people but coming out of Zion praise God is the heavenly people the church of the living God the saints of God the bride of Christ we're coming praise God we're coming with the captain of our salvation hallelujah I said all of that that's the introduction praise God to get you to verse 17. Zion's holy hill. The day of the locust, chapter 1. The day of the Lord in chapter 2. It's a day of, uh, uh, of, uh, it's a day of the Assyrians. It's a day of the Antichrist. But when you get to verse 17, and the message is short, it's a day of anticipation. Because this whole chapter, or this whole book, is full of nothing but waste and war and death and devastation and destruction and doom until you get to verse 17. When you get to verse 17, there's a great anticipation because coming out of Zion's holy hill, there's a cry coming forth. So shall ye know that I am the Lord your God dwelling in Zion. That makes me want to shout and run to Chickamauga. Amen. I'm telling you this morning, or as the northern would say, Chickamauga. They never can pronounce that word. I think you got to have a southern drawl to say it. Somebody say amen right there. 
But I'm telling you, uh, there's something coming out of Zion. Uh, I want you to see these things uh, uh, that would make Zion's hill anticipating not just for the Jew, but for the Gentile bride this morning. There's some things in this text very quickly uh, that I want to give you a concern concerning Zion's holy hill uh, that would make us want to go. You see, Zion's hill is not Jerusalem, but Zion in the Old Testament, my friend, uh, it's that easternmost uh, uh, two hills uh, uh, of ancient Jerusalem. It's those hills that David took in 2 Samuel chapter number 5 and verse number 6 uh, when he took the city from the Jebusites. Uh, he took Zion's hill uh, and thank God he took the ark of the Lord to Jerusalem and there they worshipped. Uh, and whenever the Bible talks about Zion's hill, it's talking about Jerusalem. It's talking about the holy hills of God and sometimes it's even referring to heaven. Amen. Uh, I want to tell you what makes it so wonderful is the things that we find in this verse and the first thing we see in Zion's holy hill is we see the presence of Zion as he said so shall you know that I am the Lord your God dwelling in Zion look at the last phrase of verse 21 for the Lord dwelleth in Zion I tell you there's one place on this earth where God said I'm going to be and God said I'm going to dwell and it's in Zion's hill and won't that be a wonderful time when we enter into his gates with thanksgiving. You see that's going to be literal. Amen. Uh, Psalms 100 is a millennium song uh, and a psalm uh, and it's going to be literal. Uh, one, there's coming a day uh, when all the land is going to serve the Lord uh, and they're going, to, they're going to make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. Uh, we're going to serve the Lord with gladness. Uh, we're all going to come into his presence in Zion with singing. Uh, the whole world's going to be filled with the knowledge of God and we're going to know that he is God and that he is that have made us and not we ourselves. We're going to say one to another that we're his people and we're the sheep of his pasture and we're going to enter into Jerusalem through those gates. We're going to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise and the whole world is going to be thankful unto him and we're going to bless his name and here's what we're going to say. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endure it to all generations I'm telling you that's going to happen at Zion's holy hill there's going to be a presence that's going to permeate the atmosphere and it's going to be the presence of God Almighty it may not do a whole lot for you but it sure does a whole lot for me I am looking forward to the day when I put my feet on Zion's holy hill and I worship the king of glory hallelujah the presence of Zion. And then notice the possession of Zion. God said here, my holy mountain. I got news for the devil. He don't, he don't own one square acre on this earth. This isn't his world. He's the prince and the power of what? The air. You know what air is? A whole bunch of nothing. I mean, you can own all the air you want in this world. I mean, you can own it from here to the moon. But you know what you got at the end of the day? You don't have anything. 
You can't sell it. I mean, uh, uh, listen, you might sell it in a bottle, amen. Uh, uh, but I'm telling you, there ain't nobody that you can just walk out and say, now, I've got 100 acres of air there, and I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll sell you 100 acres of air uh, for a dollar an acre, amen. I mean, even people from Alabama wouldn't buy air uh, like that. Uh, uh, you know what I'm saying this morning? Uh, I'm saying you got nothing. That's what the devil's got. He's got absolutely nothing, amen. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Uh, he owns every bit of it. Amen. And one of these days he's going to lift the curse. He's going to raise the veil. And one of these glorious days, praise God, we're going to see the earth in the fullness when the curse is lifted. Hallelujah. What a day that's going to be. When the desert blooms like a rose. And God owns the cattle on a thousand hillsides. I'm telling you all that Palestinian hillsides, all them ragheads over there. One of these days, God's going to let those sandy hills, they're going to blossom, thank God, in green pasture. And every cattle that's every cow that's on that hillside, somebody's going to say, who owns that? They'll say, I'll tell you who owns that. The one that lives at Zion's Hill. God Almighty, he owns the mountain. He owns the valley. He owns the rivers. He owns the trees. He owns everything. It belongs to him this morning. And if he owns that, he can take care of me and you, can't he? The possession, the presence, and then the purity of Zion. Notice what he said about that mountain. It's a holy mountain. You know what Satan, what uh, devil worshipers like to do? They like to go up in the mountains, don't they? Ephesians 6. Finally, my brethren, verse 10, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but listen to this, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. And watch this, against spiritual wickedness where? In high places. Where did the devil take Jesus? Upon an exceeding high mountain. I'm telling you the devil likes the high places. You know why he likes the high places? Because he likes to be elevated. He likes the pinnacles. He likes to be at the top. He likes to, he likes to duplicate God. But I'm going to tell you God threw him out of hell. Or threw him out of heaven. And one day God's going to put a chain on him. You know where he's going? He's not going to a mountaintop for him. He's not even going to a valley. Do you know where God's going to throw that booger for a thousand years? He's going to put him in a pit. Amen. He's going to put him as low down as he is because he is low down. Isn't that right? He's going to put him all the way down in the bottom. And for 1,000 years, while the devil's on a chain in the very bottom, while he's crawling around in a pit suffering, guess where God's going to be at? He's going to be on that holy hill of Zion. I'm telling you, thank God, God, it's going to be on his throne where he's exalted and magnified. He's going to show the world who is in charge. Hallelujah. The possession of Zion, the purity of Zion, the, the, the presence of Zion. Then I want you to notice the prosperity of Zion. And it shall come to pass in that day that that mountain shall drop down, notice this, with new wine. 
And the hills shall flow with milk, and the rivers of Judah shall flow with water, and a fountain shall come forth out of the house of the Lord and shall water the valley of Shittim. It'll go right on down, my friend, into the Dead Sea Valley, and it'll water. And Ezekiel spoke about that, that river that's going to run from the very throne of God, and everything it touches that's dead is going to come to life again. Amen. I'm telling you, the world is going to be rid of all this deadness. Amen. And the bear and the lion is going to eat straw, my friend, like an ox, and they're going to lay down beside each other. What a day that's going to be. And the child is going to play in the street and put his hand in the crocodile's den. I'm telling you, the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of God, and there'll be holiness on the bells of horses. And thank God when you hear them ring them golden bells. You know what? That means a king's coming. Amen. That means a royalty's coming. It's going to be a holy place. God's going to turn this world upside down and inside out. You see, man's always wanted to rule the world, but he's failed. And God's going to rule this world, but he's going to rule it through the God man of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I think about here the prosperity. The world will prosper greater under the Lord Jesus Christ than they did under Donald Trump. It's the truth today. I want to say not only the purity, but notice the protection of Zion. Look at verse 19. Egypt shall be a desolation. Edom shall be a desolate wilderness for the violence against the children of Judah. God's going to bless every nation that blesses that, that land, Israel. And God's going to punish and curse every nation that turns against the nation of Israel. Because they've shed innocent blood in their land. God is going to take care of the Jew. And this morning, we don't have to worry about gas at $5 a gallon. Amen. These bunch of communists today want to drive the gas prices up so we'll buy a battery-operated vehicle. And I say, God, help us if we have to. I'd rather ride a donkey, wouldn't you? Amen. I'm telling you, they're going crazy, aren't they? But even if we have to drive a battery-operated vehicle, I, you know, I made fun of a guy on a bicycle with a weed eater engine on top of it one time, but it wouldn't be a whole lot different, would it? Amen. I'm telling you, even if we're living in that kind of world, God's still going to take care of us. Are you with me this morning? I'm telling you, if gas is $5 a gallon, I'm telling you, if, if listen, if every Democrat rules from one end of this country to the other, God's still on the throne. Amen. And if that makes you upset, it doesn't make no difference to me. I'm just telling you the truth is the truth is the truth. I'm about sick and tired of this ultra-sensitive society where you can't hardly say nothing without irritating somebody. That about irritates me. Amen. I don't know what the rest of this world's going to do. But Brother Laddie, I plan on just staying in the days I grew up in when men of God got up and preached uh, and they scalded their hide uh, and they burnt them up one side down the other. I'm telling you, that's what this outfit means. Uh, it's what this younger generation needs to hear. Uh, I don't believe everything that's coming down the pipe. Uh, I sure believe everything in this old book this morning. Uh, and I believe the king's coming and I believe Zion's holy hill is going to be a wonderful day uh, and protection's going to flow from that hilltop. Amen. I see not only that, but notice quickly and I'll be closing. The permanency of Zion. Look at verse 20. But Judah shall dwell how long? Forever. Verse 20 in Jerusalem from how long? From generation to generation. The permanency. I want to tell you when God sets up shop, there ain't nobody going to take it away. This morning, 
The Bible talks about the day of the Lord all throughout this book. Mentions it in Zechariah 14, Malachi chapter number 4, Matthew chapter 24, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 talks about the day of the Lord. You ought to study the Bible days. There's the day of salvation. That's the church age. Amen. From the cross to the rapture. There's the day, uh, listen, there's, a, there's the day of man. That's from the, the cross uh, uh, to the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's the day of Christ, amen. Uh, that is from the rapture to the revelation. There's the, there's the day of the antichrist, the tribulation. There's the day of righteousness, the millennial. There's the day of the Son of Man after uh, the great white throne judgment. And there is the day of judgment, which is the great white throne judgment. But the day of the Lord, it's that part that starts during uh, Jacob's trouble and it runs all the way to the end of the millennium when God, when Jesus Christ brings judgment upon this earth. He brings judgment on the heathen. Matthew 25, he brings judgment on the nations. Listen, he brings executive and legislative judgment to the church and he gives out, listen, he gives out those positions and you and I are going to be rewarded according to our faithfulness. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying Zion's holy hill is a place of permanency. When God sets up shop, he's going to rule and reign forever and ever. Amen. The day of God is the day of eternity. When this whole world has been finished. In Revelation chapter 21 when he said, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. Thank God there was no more sea. The former things were passed away and he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. That's the day of God. Everything's going to be new. That'll be a shouting day, won't it? I want to say we see the permanency of Zion, but notice this. Look at the pardon in Zion. The Bible said in verse 21, For I will cleanse their blood that I have not cleansed. Six million Jews died during that Holocaust. and Hitler is in hell and God is on the throne. I want to tell you, when the Antichrist steps on the scene, it'll be the holocaust of all holocaust. The Bible said they'll ravish the city. They'll destroy everything within it. But there is coming a day when God is going to say, Israel has had enough. The Bible said in Revelation 19, and I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse he that sat upon him was called faithful and true and in righteousness. He to judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. And upon his head were many crowns. Joel chapter 3, Revelation 19. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed in a vesture dipped in blood and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in white linen fine and clean. The Bible said uh, that he goeth forth and from his vesture and from his thigh had a name written King of Kings uh, and Lord of Lords and he treadeth the winepress of the fiercest and wrath of Almighty God out of his mouth is going to so, uh, come a sharp sword. That's read Joel chapter 2 that with it will smite the nations uh, and the Bible said the Old Testament prophet said the blood will flow to the horse's bridle. And our Savior, our Captain, our King, our Conqueror will put his feet on the Mount of Olives. And the Bible said that mountain's going to divide from east to west. And when he makes his way down through that valley, them Jews, when that blood's running like a river, 
through the valley of Jehoshaphat, the plains of Megiddo, them Jews are going to come out because there's going to be no more war. The battle's going to be over with. There's going to be no more fighting. They're going to come out of that city. And you know who they're going to see? They're going to see him. When they look at him, they're going to say, Bahamashia, which means come old Jehovah. They've been praying. They're going to see our Savior. They're going to see the Messiah. They're going to see the one that crucified, the Lord of glory. They're going to see Jesus Christ, uh, our great high priest. Uh, They're going to look on his face uh, and the scales are going to fall off their eyes and praise God. The Bible says a nation is going to be born in a day. They're going to come running out of them hills. Can you see that? They're going to come running And with a vesture dipped in blood, the Bible says, he'll walk through that eastern gate. And the Bible said in Psalms 24, oh, lift up your gates because the king of glory cometh in. I don't know about you this morning, but I'm looking forward to it. The only thing standing between here and the book of Joel this morning is one little old verse Joel told to Israel. It's found in chapter 2 and verse 1 and again in verse number 15. Look what he told them to do. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion. Zion's holy hill. Joel said blow the trumpet. Let the people know death, destruction, but deliverance is coming. I want to tell you this morning the only thing standing between us and this book is the trumpet of God. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse number 13. Paul said, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. That you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For the Bible said in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're of all men most miserable. We sorrow, but we sorrow not as others which have no hope. The Bible said, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. I believe that, don't you? Paul said, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive, Paul believed he was going to be alive. For we which are alive and remain at the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, and here it is, with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now you hear me this morning. This is where we're at today. This is where I believe the Holy Spirit spoke to me this morning while they were singing that song. The coming of Jesus Christ, the rapture of the church, and the revelation of Christ, the second coming in this world at the end of the tribulation period is going to do one of the two things for you this morning. It'll either comfort you or it'll trouble you this morning. When Paul got ready to die, He said, henceforth there at verse number 8 of 2 Timothy 4, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me, but hear this, but not to me only, but unto all them that what? Love his appearing. I want to tell you this morning, one of the ways I know I'm saved is I'm looking, I'm longing, I'm excited about it. I'm loving Trumpet sound today. Let's go. Let's go to a better world. 
I don't look forward to the judgment seat, but I know the judge, praise God. Let's go to a, a land that's fairer than day. Let's go to a place where there is no more sickness. There's no more sadness. There's no more sorrow. There's no more suffering. Why would I want to spend another day down here when I can spend eternity over yonder? Let's go to a place uh, where it's springtime forever as a million years roll by. Let's go to a place uh, where nobody grows old uh, and nobody never says goodbye. Let's go to a land uh, where we can see our family and our friends. Uh, let's go to a place uh, where we see the one that we've sung about and the one we preached about oh I don't care about staying a little longer down here I'll tell you if the trumpet's going to sound we're getting a new body we're getting a body that'll never ache we're getting a body that'll never grow old we'll never ask why again we'll never have to worry about the serpent we'll never have to worry about another heartache we'll never have to pay taxes again I'm telling you we're going to a place where it's peace and tranquility where it's joy forever and ever why would I want to stay down here and the trumpet of God I want to go to Zion Holy Hallelujah. I want to see God face to face. I want to go to a place where faith ends in sight. What about you this morning? Where are you going to go if the trumpet sounds? I dare say this morning in a congregation this size, if that trumpet sounded right now, boom, every saved person would be out of here. And some of you are worried about the time. Romans 13 said, now is, he said, now is, the high, is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than we believe. The night is far spent, the day is hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor light. Where are you going to be if the trumpet sounds? Heaven or hell this morning as we stand, as they come and get us a song ready? Where are you going to go? I'll tell you, if I was lost this morning... I wouldn't wait for a verse of invitation. I wouldn't wait for the preacher to beg me to come. I'd get out of my seat. I don't care if I had to ask four people to get out of the way. I wouldn't care if I'd been a member for 10 years. It wouldn't matter to me this morning what anybody, I would not go to hell for nothing or nobody this morning. Don't you want to go to Zion's holy hill today? Where are you going to be at, friend? Our heads are about eyes are closed. Christians are praying. Sinner. You're going to say no to God for the last time one of these days, and it could be this morning. God's not obligated to deal with you. You're not promised another day. You're not promised another heartbeat. You're not promised another opportunity to be saved. And this morning, if you know you're lost and you need Jesus Christ, then you need to come. If God is dealing, if He's fingering around the, your soul this morning, if He's wooing you to this altar saying you're lost, you need to be saved. And you need to come this morning.